and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host and master of shenanigans, Paul Long, and I'm as excited as ever to be here with you today. Those of you tuning in, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or wherever you choose to stream this amazing content, uh, you know that our focus for this year and beyond is really about how, right? How can we implement fundamentalism in our life? How can we create more joy, fun, and fulfillment in all that we do? Because right now we're hypersensitive to all that's not working, that we don't always or aren't always aware of the things that are. And we got a gentleman for you today um, that just that just exudes awkwardness. I mean, when I think <laughs> of like, for, we were talking pink Cadillacs, we're talking uh, piloting airplanes and helicopters. And I mean, this dude's got it all. But before I introduce him to you and you to him, I'd like to shout out our sponsor. You know, they've, they've been with us from the jump, Charlie Hustle. Uh, Charlie Hustle is just a, a group just comprised of amazing personalities that have a, a consistent thread. And that thread is kindness and community. They're just all about showering others with love. And uh, they do so through apparel and amazing threads. <laughs> See what I did there? So if you know nothing of Charlie Hustle, go to charliehustle.com. I can assure you, you're going to find something that resonates with you. Maybe, just maybe, that's the What's Good Fundamism and Charlie Hustle collab. Learn more at charliehustle.com. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our featured guest today. He is a world record setting pilot. He is a speaker. He is the founder of Turbulence Tough. My guy, just met him on LinkedIn. This is literally the first conversation we've ever had outside of email. Mr. Ryan Campbell, what's good, Ryan? Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that like a really long-winded intro? How do you feel Man, that far? It sounded like my mom wrote it. There's so many nice things in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, dude, like... I. I First and foremost, I think let's just address the elephant in the room. You might be the coolest sounding guest we've ever had. So right off the bat, before we just just get into the content, you do a lot of things for fun. What's one? What's one thing that you do for fun? And if my girlfriend heard that question, she'd laugh because you asked for one. Man, I'm a fun. <laughs> I won't say I'm a fun dude, but I'm I'm a hobby guy. Okay. And I have always loved uh, all these different hobbies under the sun, but I will say that my life revolves uh, around aviation. So I have a little uh, aeroplane. Uh, it's a yellow Piper Cub, and his name is Doug. And if you ask me what I did for what I do for fun, man, it's it's climbing in Doug, and it's uh, you know taking off and watching the sunset, and just you know, here he is there sitting in our own little fly machine and, and soaring around the sky, man. Aviation is uh, who I am, runs in my blood. So. Well, listen, as the Fundamentalism Podcast listener, if you're tuning in, um, this is the prime opportunity for you to check us out on YouTube. Uh, we only got roughly 500 uh, YouTube follows. You know, we put a, a ton of energy in getting content out to you, more specifically iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. But uh, my guy, Ryan, he has got like, videos, slide decks, pictures. You're going to want to check us out on YouTube. If you haven't, that's at Fundamism Paul. So he was just showing us, Doug, a beautiful yellow uh, single pilot plane. Is that sing single pilot, like single? Yeah. So it's one pilot and then pilot sits up front and then you got one passenger seat behind you. One so uh, two of us can go up and, and explore 
uh, the skies together, which is a lot of fun. Explore the sky. Is that going to be your your new brand line? Like when maybe. You- <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it may be. <laughs> so Ryan, you opened the door, brother. Like you said, uh, just one thing for fun. I think it's important that we uh, we see you in all of your glory. Um, if you had to identify three more, what would they be? What are some other things that you do for fun? Anything that revol- uh, revolves around the water. So okay. I now live in, in middle Tennessee. I live in the Nashville area, but man, I grew up in Australia by the beach. If I'm, I'm your typical laid back Aussie. If I, if I was any more laid back, I'd be lying down. That's the kind, kind of guy I am. But so anything that revolves around the water, we grew up uh, water skiing and fishing and swimming and surfing and, and doing all that fun stuff. So the water is my home. That's what makes me happy. Uh, obviously aviation. If I had to say a third thing, gosh, I love clay target shooting. I love driving anything and everything. It could be an excavator or it could be a car. Or it, could be, it just doesn't matter. I love driving. I love machines. I love toys. Uh, I'm just like that typical guy who loves stuff. Um, so, I mean, gosh, where do you step? Where, where do you stop? I have no idea. <laughs> I just love that you led with an excavator. Like, <laughs> Everyone loves to dig a hole, right? Like you're that little kid who sits in the sandpit and plays with that, you know, little kind of like digger. And then you get old, you're like, oh, the real thing, it'd be a lot of fun. And I mean, it's just, I love stuff. So. Listen, I've been married for going on 10 years. Uh, I'm a speaker uh, who thrives in awkward moments. Uh, if anybody knows how to dig a hole, man, it's me. I can relate to what you're talking about. <laughs> so that is a perfect segue into, and and just, I, I want to say, man, I greatly appreciate that you have that stuff readily accessible, like that you deliberately understand, Ryan, what gives you strength, what can help you through a uh, a turbulent time, if you will, because we can, we can focus on all the stuff that's not working and it's easy to do. Or when we're feeling those, those types of turbulence or, or we're down in the dumps, we could gravitate and be mindful towards the things that give us strength and that lift us up. And so that's why uh, I really admire the fact that you have that readily uh, available because knowing that can get you a long way in creating additional joy, fun, and fulfillment in life. So as we progress through our journey, we're going to go uh, just about anywhere you want to go uh, in this conversation, <laughs> Ryan. But our featured fundamental for our conversation, as stated before, is uh, embrace awkward moments. In thinking about embracing awkward moments, what's the most awkward moment you've ever been in? The most awkward moment I've ever been in. I uh, I believe that we're all a byproduct of every experience that we've, we've, we've experienced throughout our life, right? Every good, bad, or indifferent moment makes us who we are right now in this, this moment in time, you know, chatting on this podcast. And for me, I always say I'm a normal Aussie kid from a normal Aussie family, but I just happen to have uh, had a whole bunch of experiences in my life from absolute highs to absolute gut-wrenching lows. And for me, that's an opportunity to compare highs and lows and see where we learn and all of that good stuff. But to experience highs that are that are higher than a lot of people and lows that are lower than what a lot of people will experience has been you know, something that I've been blessed in a way to, to have experienced. When we talk about highs, and I hate ego and I hate manufactured drama, so I say this with no ego, I'm going to bring a picture up. One of the coolest moments um, that I've ever experienced in my life was meeting the Royals. Okay, so normal as a kid from a small town uh, in Australia, I was driving along in my car one day, the phone uh, rang, and I answered the phone. They said, is that Ryan Campbell? I said, oh, speaking, it was very formal. I said, my name's so-and-so, I'm the assistant to the Governor General 
uh, in Australia. The Governor General is really high up, like second in charge of Australia. They said the Governor General would like to invite you to meet the Duke and Duchess of whoever Prince William is. I still don't know. I think it's Cambridge. The Duke and Duchess, would you like to come? And I'm just like, uh, absolutely, I'd love to be there. Like, I'll, I'll make it happen. And the lady said, well, the, the dress attire is lounge suit. Is that okay? And I was like, in my head, being a normal 19-year-old teenage Australian kid, I'm like, what is a lounge suit? <laughs> and I nearly asked the question, what is a lounge suit? And I was like, shut up, dude. Don't say that. <laughs> ask mom. Like, I'll, I'll talk to mom later. But I said, absolutely. That'll be fine. I'll, I'll be there. And I, I asked my mom later what lounge suit was and I went and bought a new suit. But I turned up to this event to meet Prince William and, and Kate. And it was the most surreal, incredible position to be in as a normal kind of Aussie kids standing in government house in Australia, waiting to meet the Royals, being told all the different rules that come with meeting the Royals, you know, what to say, what not to say, who to touch, who not to touch, where to stand, uh, where not to stand, all of that stuff. So I remember thinking that I'm a pretty big deal, right? Getting to meet the Royals. And I stood there and waited for them to work their way through the crowd. There wasn't very many of us invited, but Prince William finally came up to me and his assistant said, this is Ryan Campbell. He was the youngest person, the first teenager to fly solo around the world. Now, Prince William's a pilot. So he just lit up. I mean, he's just spent two weeks in Australia. This is his last event. He's, he's kissed every baby and, and sh- you know, shook every hand that he could possibly, you know, in two weeks want to see. He finally got to talk to someone about something that he loves, one of his hobbies, something that he does for fun. And that was aviation. So we talked for five minutes about aviation and adventure and all this good stuff. And and it was incredible, right? It was just a, a moment in life that was so unbelievably surreal. But here's the real story behind that. It's not that I met the royals, right? Thinking I'm a pretty big deal. What had showed me that evening that I was still a normal Aussie kid was that I didn't want to eat any of the funky food that they were carrying around at this event, right? I'm like literally caviar or it's green. It was grown in the earth, like all this funky stuff that young male teenagers probably don't love. I didn't want to eat any of it. So when I left, I left the reception with the Royals, climbed into my car, which I was so young at the time, it still had a subwoofer in the back. It was lowered with big wheels. And I drove to KFC in my lounge suit. <laughs> and I sat at KFC at 11.30 at night dressed. I looked great. And all these people in KFC were like, who is this kid? Why is he? I'm the only person in there. They're cleaning the floors. Like this place is about to close. And I'm eating fried chicken after I've just gone and met the Royals. So that was my uh, moment in life to say, well, yes, I got to experience something very cool, but... I am who I am. I'm a normal Aussie kid from a normal Aussie family. And I just think that's a great story. An awkward moment that allows us to really realize that anyone out there who's ever done anything, doesn't matter whether it's broken a record, created history, or climbed the highest mountain, sailed you know, the, the biggest sea, whatever that may be, we're all just normal humans. We put our pants on the same way every morning. And you know, it kind of helps show the world and all the individuals out there what's possible for them. What a tremendous story. I, uh, I'm sitting here, obviously, you could see me, uh, red-faced, got me uh, laughing my tail off early on. I mean, we're only 10 minutes into this thing. Um, do me a favor, pull up that photo if you can, if it's readily accessible. I was a lot skinnier back then. I well, obviously just, went to KFC I mean, too many times from that point on. You're very bad 
first, first of all, I mean, and I see the, the lounge suit, which, what, what does that define as? Like, what is a lounge suit? I've, to be honest, when I asked my mom and she's a very, very, uh, up with it lady, I will say, <laughs> and she had no idea. So we had to Google it and it turns out the lounge suit is just basically a suit. It just must be what they put on the fancy invitations to a fancy event. Uh, and if you can see this photo, if you can't, um, as Paul said, jump on YouTube and have a look. But they're right in, in between myself and Prince William. That is the Governor General of Australia, right? So I was so happy that like not only did I get a, a reasonably okay photo with Prince William, but the Governor General's in the middle of the photo, right? Because you're not allowed to take your cameras in there. Like this is all very formal. But I was so mad that this lady in the front right of the picture was in my photo. And I remember <laughs> saying to I remember saying to mom, I was like, that lady in the front, you know, like she's kind of like ruining my photo with Prince William. And mom just looked absolutely shocked. Well, she's a very famous uh, politician and, and, and lady in general in Australia. So here I am offended that she's in the photo, have no idea who she is. And mom had to kind of tell me that she's also a big deal. So I probably should just be happy that she's in the shot. <laughs> so of everyone yeah. in that photo, I'm the least known, least interesting person. <laughs> Back then, but now, but now. Oh, well, yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that fascinates me about that picture is uh, you, you set the stage that uh, Prince William got to talk about something that he was passionate about. To, yeah. You actually said his fun, right? Yeah. Nicely done. Um, <laughs> but, it, but he is thoroughly engaged and genuinely interested in that photo. I mean, talk about a credibility and uh, a credibility builder and amazing marketing piece for you to uh, to pursue whatever the heck Honestly, you want to do. <laughs> I, I never bring it up. I never share it. I never... I hate <laughs> ego and I hate manufactured drama. Seven minutes. <laughs> I just feel like... I've, I've been on a lot of podcasts, but I feel like this one's different. <laughs> and with the shirt you're wearing and the bow tie and everything, I feel like there's no rules. So <laughs> for me, I don't really use that photo very often. It's kind of like my own little like moment in life. But when, when I was chatting to him, you are right. Okay, like he's a completely normal guy and he's been away from his family for two weeks and he and his wife are, are you know, in, engaged in public engagements every single day. And this is the only one where they actually met people other than walking up to a barrier and saying hello and, you know, again, kissing a baby and, you know, shaking a hand. This was the only one where they actually connected with individuals. So, you know, the governor general chose the people that he wanted to attend this event. And what was so cool about it was that he was so engaged like he just was a normal pilot at that mm -hmm. point in time and he said to me he said make me one promise he said next time you fly around the world you do it with me and you do it in a helicopter because he's a helicopter pilot now there is no weight to that promise i can tell you obviously but listen like he's really his grandma's probably the one who has access to a helicopter and we probably could that would be a really cool story to tell at a bar yeah. one day but he was so engaged he, he said at the end i really wish i could just continue to, to chat with you because I'd actually tapped into something that he loved. And I think that's so cool to have seen someone of such power and notoriety fall back into their, I'm going to do it again, man, their, their fundamentalism. It's like, that's what they've gone back into what makes them so unbelievably happy. And that was a cool moment for me. Um, as is this moment for me, my friend, you, you started, uh, seriously, uh, I, I don't say that in jest. Um, you started before we hit record that you're, and you stated that you're a big brand guy, right? Yeah. And, um, this is the first real conversation that we've had and you clearly have done a little bit of research, uh, if not, but by only seeing a few LinkedIn posts, I don't know, but you get it. 
right? Yeah. And you're, you're tying in the concept so well and you live it. And that's one of the reasons why there are no rules in this conversation, because you are a fun guy who understands that the more we live in our, our true authentic form and the more that we showcase a genuine interest in others, then the more impactful uh, life's experience can be. And, yes. and you're an individual that has had a ton of life experience. So as we kind of start to go down that path, uh, just to reiterate, you know, this concept of fun. And so the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle, fun can, can be a word, but it's also an acronym. And the, the F is your foundation, like everything that makes you, you, right. And, and, and you're an individual that kind of just exudes, I wouldn't say confidence, but you have an aura about you, like a presence about you. You, you speak uh, from a place of intelligence. You, you do your research. You, you're deliberate about the words that you choose. Uh, I could tell that you value. You have you you not just value individuals, but you you value your time with them uh, and showcasing a genuine interest. So that's all the F, right? That's foundation. Yeah. You is understanding perspective uh, and and others' perspectives specifically. And the reason why I want to call this out, Ryan, is because you touched on a subject that I would say in my experience, a majority of society, society does not comprehend. Specifically, we have the opportunity to meet some amazing individuals in life. Like whether you're aware or you're unaware, amazing individuals are all around you. And unfortunately, there's times where we in society, and, and we're all guilty of it, just whoever resonated with you as a child, whatever, a childhood hero, you see that individual out and about and you're like, oh my gosh, they're bigger than life. That's Bruce Willis or that's, yeah. that's Prince Will, or that's Travis Kelsey or whoever it may be, right? And the thing that hit me like a ton of bricks that you just said is when I got to just, just experience him as an individual, like he, he, has, he has things all day long. And I finally got the opportunity to talk to him about something that he enjoys. Mm. I wasn't like talking to him as he was, as Prince William. I was talking to them, to him as he was me or a friend or somebody that, yeah. that just has pilot interest. to pilot. Yeah, uh, really, honestly. Pilot to pilot, right? Mm. And so oftentimes I, I just want to close this, this topic by saying, people often ask me like, how do you, how do you get to meet these individuals? Or how did we talked about, like, how do you know Sean Hanks, right? Mm. When you stop, in my experience, when you stop treating people like a celebrity or like uh, something that has accomplished something magnificent, and you just show a genuine interest in them and allow them to understand that you care and find what their fun or fundamentals or fun looks like, then ultimately your conversation is going to go a lot easier and you're going to create some real meaningful interactions as a result. So, yeah. I, and I, I just added that real quick. I mean, I'm the perfect example of a normal Aussie kid. My dad was a milkman. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I have two older brothers, so I was naturally born competitive, right? I have wanted all my life to do stuff, to do more, to do... I just always kind of was just absolutely blown away by the pioneering aviators of yesteryear, you know, who pushed the limits and paved new pathways and did all that cool stuff. And honestly, whilst they did it, they looked like they had a whole lot of fun. You know, it was all kind of cool, adventurous kind of spirit, kind of oozing from these amazing humans that I looked up to. So when, as a young guy, 22 years old, I was lying in a bed in a spinal cord rehabilitation facility as a complete paraplegic with no movement or feeling from my waist down, having two years prior landed an airplane, having flown 24,000 miles solo around the world. Normal as a kid, you know, been to the highest of the highs, broke a world record, created history, but then two years later had it all taken away, right? And the very thing that gave me my identity, which was aviation, was the very thing that took it away. Mm. 
and I went to the kind of the top and the bottom of that and then ended up in this position where, you know, it was tough. And who I was at my core was what got me through. Not the face that I put on, the facade that I thought that I had to show off. It wasn't that, and I, I'm guilty of it. I've, I've been to meetings and I've been introduced to people and I've started relationships in the wrong way. What I've realized over time through the highs and through the lows is you've got to be you. Two things in life will ruin you. You could cure cancer, but if you do it with ego or manufactured drama, you may as well just get to the back of the line. Like this keynote speaking caper, I don't want to be a keynote speaker. (laughs) I want to be a pilot. I want to be an airline pilot. I want to put the hat on every day. I want to do what six-year-old Ryan wanted to do when he first went on to an airline and flew to an an island in the Pacific and, and got to visit the cockpit. That's what I want to do, right? But that's not how life went for Ryan. It didn't go that way. And I now have a spinal cord injury that doesn't allow me to do that anymore. So I am a keynote speaker. But for me as a speaker, success is found in being real. So yeah, I, that's my advice to everyone out there is that anyone who has ever done anything, been successful or overcome serious adversity has done so through being true, true to themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just my, if you want to go out and you want to pursue the wildest you know, dream that you have, or you are at the bottom and you need help to get back up, be genuine, ask for genuine help and you will get a genuine response. Don't try and be someone you're not because the best version of you is is you. That was very motivational, wasn't it? <laughs> Ryan, I uh, so I, ju- I just, I hired, this is the first time I've hired a, a business coach. I find an incredible amount of value in them. I used to be one. Heck, I, I could help through the power of self-discovery and asking the right questions, I could help just about anybody identify what the problems are in life and work together to partner in finding solutions for them. But for some reason, it's more difficult when I'm the problem. <laughs> so I hired a, a business coach for the first time in 2021. And uh, one of the first exercises that we worked through is uh, what, are, what are the core values of fundamentalism? Like, what do, you, what do you want the brand to stand for? And it was just, it started as vomit, right? Like just jot down all the, all, and we came up with 10 and then I had to number them in order of importance to me. Number one, number one on my core values list and something that I'm sure you could speak to in our industry is uh, lead without ego. Mm. Lead without yeah. ego, right? And that's something that I've, I've struggled with because our industry is so egocentric. It takes a certain personality and, and marketing. Oftentimes it, you're marketing yourself and pictures of yourself on stage and videos of yourself. And it's like, ugh, like this sucks. Like I don't, it makes me uncomfortable. And those of you listening, you know me and you're like, really? Cause you're wearing a McLovin shirt and a bright red bow tie. Uh, but ultimately guys, I really, I, and Ryan, like I, I would be cool if nobody remembered me and everybody remembered fundamentalism as a, as a vehicle that could help improve their quality of life. And so hearing you say this, um, it's just going to draw you and I closer and closer. And I'm really excited to see where our relationship and friendship goes. You just, you just, just touched the surface of something just crazy in your life. You talked about a, a, a plane wreck. Um, what do you remember from that day? What do you remember from 
that experience. Like, let's get, let's get into the mud and let's talk about how turbulent it actually was. Yeah. And this is, you know, my job is to talk about my life and we always, you know, we may as well just brush over it, but you know, normal young kids, six years old, decide that I want to be a pilot, right? That never goes away. I went, I honestly went for a flight in a Boeing 737. I was hooked. 14 years old, I wanted to learn to fly, but I didn't think I was old enough until I read an article in a newspaper about a kid who flew an airplane on his own the day he turned 15. So I'm like, cool. I didn't even know that was legal. I read the article like 50 times and I kept replacing his name with mine. I thought, well, if he can do it, why can't I? So I found a couple of after-school jobs. That wasn't enough. So I got a third after-school job and I saved up my pennies and I flew a flying lesson once every two weeks. I flew an airplane on my own the day that I turned 15, the day that I legally, you know, the first day I legally could. And by doing that, achieved my first biggest goal in my life, right? It made me realize what we can achieve if we just have like passion and grit and determination and all those big words. But it also made me want to do everything I could at the youngest possible age. Man, 16 years old, I'm flying passengers around, flying my buddies around the airplane, my mom, my dad, my nan, my pa. 16 years old, I still can't drive a car on my own for another year. and I'm flying people around the airplane. So I was literally cutting deals with my buddies at school saying, hey, if you want to like drive me from school to the airport, I'll take you for a rip in the airplane, but you got to drop me home afterwards because you know I can't drive a car. And 17, I had a private pilot's license. 17, I had this big wild dream. We spent two years, I'll press a button here and play a little bit of the footage, but we spent two years fundraising a quarter of a million dollars on a laptop computer, uh, renting a single engine airplane, planning, training, preparing, um, as a very young, inexperienced pilot to climb into a modified single-engine airplane that was designed to fly five hours and then run out of fuel, to do legs up to 15 hours, crossing the world's largest oceans, flying 24,000 miles solo around the world. And that's what we did. 70 days, 24,000 miles, 35 stops, 15 countries. This normal young kid um, without a beard uh, flying Ryan around Ryan. the world. <laughs> flying around. That photo from 60 Minutes with flying Ryan on it was actually screenshotted and used on somebody else's Tinder profile, which is one of my absolute like, you talk about the Royals being at the top, absolutely not. Being catfished and someone thinking that I'm actually bait on Tinder. I mean, come on, that doesn't get any better than that. But um, I we flew around the world and we, we broke a world record. We created history. We did all this cool stuff that, um, and I say we because it was a solo ex- expedition, but it was a team effort. I think and, the personalities in your head. Oh, me, man. Me and Bob the Life Raft strapped in next to me, man. We went on, we went on an adventure. Um, you know, the, the record breaking didn't matter. What mattered was who we impacted at that point. You know, it was the, sto- the way the story spread. It was the book that we wrote called Born to Fly, full of spelling mistakes. My, my nan can tell you every page number of every spelling mistake in that book. It's not even a lie. Embrace and our performance. It's so bad. <laughs> but... Um, that book spread the story. You know, we encouraged, we inspired, we were real. You know, it's not the best book in the world. It's full of spelling mistakes. But we were real and we did a lot of good with that story. So then, yes, I was on the speaking circuit and gosh, I was, where after I met Prince William, I was named one of Australia's 50 greatest explorers. Dude, I don't make my bed in the morning. And I'm named <laughs> one of Australia's, and like, if you're on YouTube, I say this all the time. One of Australia's 50 greatest explorers with that physique, like that is a load of rubbish. But um, name one of Australia's 50 greatest explorers. You know, somebody else on the list was James Cook. He literally sailed the boat from England to Australia. Like he's the guy who found Australia and settled there for white men, right? And I'm on that list. So 
life was incredible. Um, on the speaking circuit, flying aeroplanes. On the 28th of December 2015, I went to work and my job was to fly a 1930s vintage biplane, which you can uh, see here. And my job was to fly one person up and down the beach of Australia to do some aerobatics, uh, you know, just to have a good time. F- fantastic job. I took off in that aeroplane and as soon as the runway uh, disappeared beneath the nose, we had an engine failure and we were at a really low level and we're in a really old aeroplane. And I did everything I could possibly do within my ability and my training. And, and I still look back now and I can't tell you what else I could have done any differently, but what happened and what resulted was a horrific plane crash. And I mean, horrific. And to the point where I was cut out of that airplane and airlifted to hospital as the only survivor. So when we, you can be all upbeat and, and happy and whatever, um, my job's to talk about it, but I still don't know how to talk about that day. Uh-huh. I don't. And they took me to hospital and I had five breaks in my back. I had a shattered face. I had a removed right ankle. Everything was just a mess. And they folded me back together the best they could with titanium and they put me in a recovery ward and I woke up some unknown amount of time later and uh, my family at the foot of my bed uh, with no movement or feeling from my waist down, complete paraplegic. So in a split second moment, my whole existence had changed and it had gone from one that was actually pretty bloody incredible to one that was your worst nightmare. And what started from that point on was almost six months in hospital, a year and a half in rehabilitation, a really, really long journey. And yes, it was a physical journey, but I'm going to tell you that learning to walk was actually a mental journey. Mm. And, you know, that's where we start to dive into things, you know, life being one lost above the shoulders. And that's where we dive into my content of, you know, the mindset toolbox, the three-step checklist, navigating change, this whole idea of, you know, like, man, we're all here to have fun, right? That's why I love your brand. I just love it. Uh, We're all here to have fun. We're all here to live and laugh and love. We're here to give and receive and we're here to make a difference. We're here, honestly, just to have a good time. And the whole concept of life, like let's not overcomplicate this and become too motivational because as I said, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a pilot who just can't get to work. Um, We're here to have the number of good days outweigh the number of bad days, right? That's the whole idea. So what, what do we have to do? What tools do we have to have in place? What mindset do we have to have above the shoulders that allows us to do that both at home and at work? That's what I talk about. Well, we have to be resilient, but no one, everyone remembers that word, you know, as something that, you know, they learned or, or, you know, something that they know they have to have within them, but they don't truly connect with it. For me, resilience is being turbulence tough. It's having the mindset required to ride out life's roughest bumps. It's all based on this idea that what if I told you that resilience is found not in the tools we acquire, but the place that we store them. And I say that because your iPhone is the secret to the world's tools, right? All the tools, more tools, and you know what to do with. So if it was just a, if the solution just came down to accessing tools, then we'd all be the most resilient, successful humans in the world, but we're not. Mm right? Because we don't have a place to store those tools. The garage is a mess. Mum tells you to go in there and get a screwdriver out. You walk in there and you come out with a hammer, right? It doesn't work. It just, it's, we have to have this mindset toolbox. We have to have a place in our lives to take you know, the confusion and turn it to clarity, to take the moments that we all experience, convert them to tools and place them 
into that toolbox, take easily forgettable moments and place them in an unforgettable drawer. And then when we have a bad day, dude, you know what we have? We have a mindset toolbox full of tools. Mm. It helps us as individuals, helps us as organizations. So that day for me, let me tell you, man, like for a long time, it wasn't an opportunity. It was hell. Yes. And... I did get back to walking. I look like I had too many Tennessee whiskeys, but I have a lot of things wrong with me internally and externally. But I fought my way back to fly, uh, to walking and to flying. I fly modified airplanes. Um, Doug is a modified airplane. I somehow managed with my damaged legs, feet, and everything else to fly helicopters. I have a commercial helicopter license as an incomplete paraplegic. But all of that stuff means nothing to Bob at home or Jeanette who had a bad day today at work because it's Monday. Um, but what matters to them is that they need to also be turbulence tough. They need to have their own mindset toolbox, their own three-step checklist and navigating change, whatever their three top tools may be. They have to have that. My story provides credibility to show that it worked. But you can then forget me. Once you know and you accept the way in which I got through what I did, forget me. I don't care. Like I, As you say, I'm not, I'm not here to be remembered. I'm here to help you have more days that are positive, make sure those good days outweigh the bad days. Mm. Man, you're the best out of work pilot I know. (laughs) Um, You know, one of the things that is just, it's, it's just ringing loudly over and over and over, like in my, in my mindset toolbox um, is that there are a lot of speakers out there that talk about their story, their plight, their journey, struggle, the lowest of lows, whatever may be the highest of highs. When you find somebody as a, as a speaker that could tell a story, but then really give you tactical takeaways for growth. Like mm-hmm. it's one thing to sit through an experience and listen and, and just be enthralled with the story that everything that you just said, it's a completely different experience to hear that and then say, all right, this is what I went through. This is what I learned, but it's not about what I learned. It's about what you can learn. So what is mm. that for you? And let's mm. talk about how you can help improve your mindset toolbox as an extension of our time together. You talked to yeah. me a little bit before this all started, um, my history with speakers bureaus and all that stuff. I feel like the speakers that are really, really thriving right now are individuals that understand that clients don't just want an experience. They want tactical behaviors that can help improve some aspect of work or life. Yeah, right on. But, but they don't want, in my opinion, and it's a very uneducated you know, beginning of my career opinion, but you, know, you can't have one or the other. Just a great storyteller as a speaker is no different than going to a Broadway show. Right. But just someone who spits tools, let's use that word again, at you, you know, is a good reason to have a nap for an hour. (laughs) I could get in trouble for saying that. But to me, the story and the real you is what makes them believe the tools that you provide them. So, you know, you have to provide them the story. You've got to have the credibility. They've got to to like you, Mm. you know, and then once they like you, they have a genuine interest and they're asking that question whether they, they know it or not. How did you do it? You know, and then from that point, you can go and transition across to saying, well, here's how I did it. And here's how you can use what I learned 
you know, that's my whole idea as a speaker, right? I want you to know what I know without having to experience what I experience. If you want to fly around the world, call me. I'll probably try and talk you out of it. But if you're really, really like set on it, I can make it, you know, I can help you. Is this the like other... Prince William offering up a trip in a, in <laughs> yeah. a, in I'm not a helicopter? Coming, I'm not coming with you. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to share my maps or something with you. But if you, if you then look at the other part of my life, no one should ever have to experience that. Yeah. And that opportunity I was given at 22 was to experience the highs and the lows and ask ourselves where we learn. And I tell you what, we don't learn in the high times. You know, we have a little bit. There's definitely tools and takeaways from that. But when you're at your absolute lowest, which for a lot of people has been this last year and it will be this year, hmm. that is your opportunity for growth. Adversity is an opportunity. We all want to avoid change, but change and, and, and challenge crisis and adversity, they are an opportunity if grasped to fill your mindset toolbox. Man. It is the secret to becoming turbulence tough. I agree. And uh, I want to talk a little bit more about turbulence tough. Before we do that, you know, we have exchanged a couple of LinkedIn messages um, just about the year, right? And, and yeah. virtuals and our growth and all that stuff. And what you just said um, is the singular reason why I've never really worried or been anxious about the future of, of our business um, or or my wife and our children being okay financially, because I understand that the mental health tail on everything that we're going through right now is going to be long and it's going to be trying. And individuals like yourself that have the ability to tell story while arming people with real life tactical things that can help them get out of here mm. and get into here, mm. it's, it's going to be in high demand. But the one thing <laughs> I, I do want to call attention to is I think historically people hear the concept of fundamentalism and they think, well, bad doesn't exist. It's like sweeping everything under the rug and gravitating towards all the stuff that makes you smile. Mm. Now that, that's lost in translation. If, if indeed you, you don't get the opportunity uh, to see me speak or to interact on a more personal level or ask additional questions, because uh, I'm not out there just selling fundamentalism all the time, right? Yeah. Um, I genuinely more interested in learning more about other people than I am selling a concept. That's not what fundamentalism is at all. I think it's imperative in our F foundation for us to spend time in self-reflection to understand those, those lows, right? I think it was Dolly Parton that said, everybody wants happiness. Nobody wants pain, but you can't have a sun, uh, rainbow without a little rain, right? There you go. Yeah. Um, but did I get that right? I, look, I've never heard that, but that's <laughs> solid. it sounds very good to anyone who's never heard it. So, <laughs> so, but, but it, so my point, of course, is our lows give us the opportunity to celebrate and feel our highs and understand perspective. And without ever addressing how we got to this, this low place or understanding uh, what we learned from a terrible experience you're never truly going to appreciate the amazingness that you are and that you have. Mm. And so I, I, I want to be clear in saying that times of turbulence are common and I'm not saying overlook them or sweep them under the rug. We're talking about learning from them and arming your, your mental toolbox or toolkit with that information so you could grow accordingly. Oh, it's, it's, it's not rocket science, mate. If I put a, a rabbit trap out on the ground and you walk into it and it clamps onto your leg and I get it off your leg and you limp away and then tomorrow you walk into the same rabbit trap, 
you're you're really going to struggle, right? Because you didn't learn from yesterday. Most people wouldn't. They walk out, they see the rabbit trap, and go, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand in that. That hurt, right?" And that's just you naturally, as a human, learning from your experiences. But it's easier sometimes to look at the turbulence we face. And there's two types of two types of turbulence. There's uh, forecast turbulence. That you know, that's the adversity we can see coming. That's the easiest turbulence to navigate around. It's a big sixty thousand foot thunderstorm flying across the Pacific. When I faced that, I flew 180 miles right of track and I went around that thunderstorm. Uh, you know, that's the easiest turbulence. There's also clear air turbulence. That's the adversity we didn't see coming, right? That's the stuff that really gets us. And if we start to sweep those moments under the rug and just move forward without actually stopping and taking a moment to unpack those, find out the tools from within them and then place them in our toolbox, and we're going to keep walking into that rabbit trap, mm. right? Dolly Parton obviously has a fantastic quote. Well, Ryan Campbell has one too. And it's, it, it's life sucks sometimes. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Adversity is a byproduct of breathing. That's just how it is. Right. So you can sweep it under the rug all you want. But unfortunately, it's just going to keep coming back. So whilst ever you are on this glorious earth, you really need to start investing in your mental health. Now, I've never been the guy who stands up at a motivational speech and high fives a person next to them, gives them a hug and tells them they have great eyebrows. That's not me. I'm Australian. I'm like very laid back. I just want to go to the beach and have a beer, right? But so to turn me into someone who believes so much in our own personal development and the focus of, you know, life above the shoulders and all that stuff, to turn me into to who I am today is, it's real, right? Mm. This is a bright product, not of a textbook, but of real life. And I can tell you that, you know, if you ever want to understand something, it's, it's, it's a lot of people will tell you that, you know, if you want to understand something, take the scenario to the extremes and it will help you understand kind of the trajectory that that whatever that, you know, you're kind of looking at uh, is on, right? So that's a very terrible way to explain that experiencing severe adversity for me and experiencing severe success, you know, incredible success for me was a great way to see what those two elements of life do for us. But a six-year-old kid falling over and grazing his knee at school is exactly the same adversity that I faced when I was sitting in a wheelchair, you know, faced with learning to walk again. When I was in the wreckage of that airplane, faced with the realities of that day and the outcome of that day. You know, all of that, we are all on the same journey, right? We're all trying to have fun. We're all trying to live our life. If you want to live the life that you talk about with fundamism, you have to be able to back it up by being turbulence tough, right? You can't choose one or the other. These go hand in hand. It's a recipe to live an incredible life. So, um, I mean... Yeah. You can feel free to share that quote, by the way. That For sure. Talk. Ryan Campbell said it. Life sucks sometimes. Life sucks sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like we're going to have many additional conversations uh, like this. Uh, I just got a LinkedIn live approval. So brother, you, you, you might be, oh, man. Like, Damn, we're just going to wrap. Like we're going to talk big about time. <laughs> shoot. Uh, so there's a couple of things that I, I do want to get to uh, as we close up our time together. Um, and so first of all, time check. Uh, we didn't necessarily start on time because we were just getting to know each other. We got three minutes left for what we're scheduled. How are you doing time-wise? I'm good, man. I'll okay. sit here all day. All right. So the fundamental is uh, embracing awkward moments. And, and we've talked a lot about awkward moments. And as the Fundamism Podcast listener, again, 
I know that many of you probably can't relate to the fact that this gentleman has, has met Prince William and then went to eat KFC in his lounge suit afterwards, <laughs> or uh, had a had a terrible plane accident and learned to walk again, or spoke in front of thousands and thousands of individuals. What we're asking you to do is what does that fundamental look like for you? How do you embrace awkward moments in your life? How do you get more comfortable in times of discomfort? Because when you could work your way past that, not only is it liberating, that's where true growth takes place and life is going to get better as a result. And so uh, it's about to get awkward because I, I want to I hit on something that's, that's really sensitive, I'm sure. And so to whatever extent you're, you're willing to talk about, I'd love to. I'm sure you get a lot of questions related to you know, picking yourself back up and learning to walk again in your time in the hospital and all that stuff. I hear that story and I can't help but think about your mental fortitude and your mental growth knowing that there were um, other individuals that perished in that accident. How does that manifest in you? How does that weight, how did it, um, you know, impact you and how does it continue to? That, uh, by far the hardest question of all, I think, and probably a hard one to answer in, in two or three minutes. But what happened that day, I know that if we had that failure a little bit earlier, you know, 10, 15 seconds earlier, a little bit later, 20 seconds later, we would have been fine. Um, you know, my life was aviation, my training and my experience was fairly extensive for a person of that age. And, you know, I was, you know, a, the perfect position to be there on the day flying that airplane. And, and we were doing something that is somewhat dangerous, you know, like anything, you know, jumping in an Uber late at night or going on a joy flight or going on a roller coaster, you know, we were living uh, that was an experience purely fueled by fun and the want to go and you know experience something unique. And what happened that day was so, I mean, for me, it all came down to, did I do what I could do? Did I do everything that I could do? Did I do the right thing? And the answer to that for me is yes. And I tell you what, that took a really, really long time to get there. And that was hell. And I think anyone can put themselves in, in my shoes to a certain extent and understand what that must have been like, or, or at least have an idea. It was hell. And it took a long time to get to that point. When I did get to that point, that's where I have to really come to, I suppose, peace with what happened on the day but even as I say that, I can tell you that it'll never go away. You know, it is part of my, if I don't think of it once every one or two days, you know, I'd be lying. It is a part of who I am. It, that hurt, that pain, that loss is what fuels my want to make a difference with that story and to not ever see anyone ever have to go through that, you know, to know what I know. So, I mean, gosh, we could talk about that all day, but um, it's the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life. I have a feeling that it probably will be the biggest challenge that I ever deal with in my life. And I think I will have it in my mind and I will battle with it some days more than other, uh, others for the rest of my life. For sure. Well, I appreciate your vulnerability, man, and, and your willingness to share that story because I'm sure a lot of people can think about that as a, as a point of perspective in weighing whatever the heck they're going through. Um, one thing that consistently, consistently just goes on in my brain whenever I I hear people's story like yours, Ryan, uh, or the individuals that perished and about them 
is that no matter what you're going through in life, somebody out there in the world's always got it worse. And quite honestly, they're handling it just a little bit better. Mm. So uh, yeah. it's fascinating to yeah. me. Yeah. And I think perspective has been a huge part of my life and we don't have time for it today, but my key favorite signature story to share in a keynote is about a guy called Ben and he's a quadriplegic and he sat there one day as, you know, it's the first time I was ever in the rehabilitation gym and he watched me attempt to roll over. It was the very first thing they asked me to learn was to roll over. So I remember getting stuck halfway through that process and looking up at Ben and, and seeing him look, look, you know, right back at me. And there's a story that surrounds that moment and the perspective that was pulled from that and the moment of realizing that I was in fact lucky to be a paraplegic. And, you know, my first step in the three-step checklist and navigating change is gratitude. And it's being thankful for your situation, being thankful that, for the mountain that you're, you know, having to climb, whatever challenge that may be. And it's really pulling, you know, thankfulness, gratitude and perspective out of your situation. So yes, that is, I believe, one of the most powerful tools in my mindset toolbox and it should be in every mindset toolbox for every individual uh you know out there breathing today so well you've sold me we got we got to do this again i mean you got to come <laughs> back and we got to talk about the turbulence tool belt so um but i i think that it's imperative that we discuss one last topic before we get to a a, a quick hitter um list of a five pack real quick but the the last thing i want to talk to you about um before we start to wrap up our time together is you know, you, you were very complimentary of my brand. Um, and it's an evolution, right? It's a constant evolution. I'm working through a lot of things right now. And so just the quick question, um, what do you, what do you see right there? What is that that you see right there, Ryan, that I'm pointing to? I see a bow tie. You see a bow tie. Have, that's okay. what I see. Yes. Perfect. And of course you, you commented that I'm wearing one right now with a very loud shirt, right? Yes. <laughs> So the bow tie is a symbol for me. I See, I no longer see a bow tie. I see a topic of conversation. I see a way to create a real authentic interaction that shows a genuine interest in others that, that truly differentiates the experience from what everybody else is doing. So I'm loud. Uh, I got a lot of stuff. Like I said, I'm wearing a super bad shirt. Bow ties are my thing. What's your thing? Uh, I have a couple of things, but I'm going to share one with you because I think it relates to fundamentalism really well. Please. I moved to America and I wanted to buy something, right? I just wanted to buy something. That's what I'm going to tell you. I went to Gracelands in Memphis and I visited, that's the home of Elvis, right? And I went into the gift shop and I found the very thing that I'd always wanted to buy. And that was a model pink Cadillac, right? And this, like, it's a toy car, 20 bucks. I bought this thing and I took it home to my share house at the time here in the Nashville area. And I remember sitting it down next to the television, this pink model car, a toy car, and my housemate said, what is that? And I said, oh, it's a pink Cadillac. I've always wanted a pink Cadillac. I said, one day, I'm going to buy the real thing. I said, but until then, this is going to have to do. And sure enough, it happened way sooner than I thought. I was on Facebook one day and somehow this popped up and I ended up buying it. But I bought a real 1960 pink Cadillac, right? Two and a half tons of American steel. It's pink. If you can't, if you're not on YouTube, jump on there and have a look. But it's pink. It's got white wool tires. It's got a white leather interior. Uh, her name is Flo. And it really wasn't that expensive in the scheme of things. I bought this thing and I started to drive it everywhere. Now I drive it to Kroger. I drive it to you know the, the grocery store. I drive it everywhere. I drive it through the week. I drive it on the weekends. I drive it on the, in the rain and all that kind of stuff. I have never in my life seen a machine, not an airplane, not a boat, not a anything attract the amount of attention that that thing attracts 
And you have to be in the right mood to be inside of that car driving down the road because horns are honking, people are waving. You go to the gas station, people want to talk to you. I literally come out of Kroger one day with my groceries, forgetting that I was actually driving a pink Cadillac and a little old lady was standing at the back of this car waiting for me to come out. And I, I come out and said, hello. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a white Australian guy with an accent driving a pink car in, in the South of America, right? Like it's a very confusing little package. And this lady said to me, do you own this beautiful car? I said, yes, I do. And she said, honey, she said, I just want to tell you that you made my day. And off she went. And we've had all these, there's so many stories that surround that car. Well, we pulled a lesson from that that we now share in the keynotes. And it's a question that you can ask yourself, and I'm going to ask it to you right now, is what's your pink Cadillac? What's the one thing you do that makes you feel like a child? It's illogical. It doesn't make sense, right? Your accountant probably hates it, but it makes you smile like a small child. What's that one thing you do? Now, before you say to me, Ryan, I can't afford a pink Cadillac, I'm going to tell you that it doesn't actually have to be a physical thing. It could be a walk on the beach every morning with a coffee. It could be a Friday evening picnic. It could be learning to play guitar or taking singing lessons. What's the one thing you do for you that makes you smile? What's your pink Cadillac? Mm, I love it, man. Man, I just... For me, you talked about what life means to you and, and smiling and embracing every moment and, you know, living it up, uh, paraphrasing. And when I look at that bow tie, your pink Cadillac, I think about life should be memorable. It should be memorable based around meaningful interactions and experiences that were created. And so for me, the bow tie is symbolic of that and, and living life that way, creating memorable experiences through meaningful interactions. And I love the fact that you have something so specific and love the fact that the question could then be reverted back to our Fundamism podcast listener. So if you're listening, you're tuning in on whatever streaming platform, we want to hear from you. Hit us up on Instagram at Fundamism Paul. Uh, you could obviously find us on Facebook or LinkedIn at Fundamism Paul as well. Ryan, if people want to get a hold of you, where do we go? Where do we find you, brother? I jump on LinkedIn for the most content or Instagram. Uh, it's all uh, at Ryan Campbell speaking. Uh, so plenty of pictures of uh, Flo and Doug, the airplane on Instagram and plenty of cool stuff on LinkedIn. Plus jump on ryancampbell.co. It's not .com. I can't afford the M yet. Uh, so it's ryancampbell.co. Jump on the website and um, honestly send us a message. You know, if we can help, we'd love to in any way, shape or form. For sure. So uh, again, to reiterate, Comment uh, wherever you're, whatever you're, wherever you're downloading or indulging in this content. Let us know what's your pink Cadillac, what's your bow tie, uh, what is the thing that 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 makes you smile, what's the thing that creates interaction, what's the thing that takes you away and just gets you to the place where you feel good. Hey Ryan, we're going to close out with a, a quick five pack, just uh, real, real meaningful questions, not about work, weather, or family, but generating an authentic energy about us and uh, our final time together in this hour. So you mentioned before we started that you, uh, you moved to Tennessee. You met oh, yeah. a girl there in I Tennessee. Did. What's her name? And what was your first date like? Her name uh, is Rachel and okay. she's absolutely incredible. Uh, that's all the brownie points I'll need. Um, <laughs> she's absolutely incredible. Our first date, we met through a friend's group. I actually stopped here on the round the world flight and spent a week uh, getting the major maintenance done on the aircraft. And I was introduced into a friend group of which Rachel was a part of. So I got to meet her. Um, she really didn't like me in the beginning. So one of the first dates, it was, it was hard work. I was knocking down some walls. But um, 
we jumped in the truck and we went for a drive out through the Tennessee Hills. And, you know, we spent probably two, two and a half hours, you know, driving around and we didn't stop talking the whole time. And uh, it was just so cool to connect with someone on that level. So that was our first day. It was uh, looking at pretty white houses and red barns and talking about life. So... If you two have a night, you and Rachel have a night where it's just you two and and she wants to do all the stuff that makes her smile and she walks away from an experience with you thinking, oh my gosh, that was just perfect. What is that for her? We have a date night once a month okay. and we have to go to a new restaurant that neither of us have ever been to, right? It doesn't have to be expensive. Um, it is, then it's my shout. Yeah, obviously. Um, it could be a little cheap kind of takeaway restaurant and go and sit by the water. It doesn't matter, but that's our one kind of getaway. It, you know, she's a real active service girl. So, you know, doing the dishes and, and stuff like that, just little things in life. Um, you know, we went to a, a 1950s diner the other day in the pink Cadillac. We drove up there and we ate and everyone looked at us funny as two 26, 27 year old, uh, you know, a young couple in a, an old 1960s pink car. So uh, those little moments are, are what she loves. Love it. As you uh, referenced before, you're an individual that historically wouldn't been the rah-rah motivational guy, but now you wholeheartedly believe in continuing development and self-improvement. What's one speaker, quote, book, something that you took in that you felt helped you become more well-rounded or provided yeah. you? Mate, I, literally, I'm going to say it and I'm going to hold the book up because it's next to me. If you haven't heard of a guy called Brant Menzoir, then you are missing out. Uh, Brant Mentor, he has a book he's just put out everywhere at the moment called Black Sheep. I think it was in the front window of uh, New York uh, City, Barnes & Noble the other day. He talks all about your flock of five and it's your five values that you just can't let go of. Your five values that you, if you uh, accept and decide to live by those five values, he talks all about the incredible things that will happen as a byproduct of that. So Brant Menzoir, Black Sheep, even more important than following me is to jump on there and give him a follow and a like and and learn from what he has to offer. He's, he's an incredible human. Black Sheep, you're, you're talking, we're talking to a few right here. There you go. <laughs> Uh, fourth question. You're only two away, man. The only thing standing between you and the end of this interview are these two <laughs> questions. So uh, obviously we, we're, we're talking about embracing awkward moments. Um, there's a time where, you know, humor can get you through just about anything. Like even the most trying time, the most challenging time, a truly awkward moment. Sometimes you incorporate a little humor. It could move you past that <laughs> mentally, right? Yeah. When's the last time you laughed out loud? Like when's the last gut busting laughter you had and what generated it? <laughs> I wish I could remember. Um, to make it- I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm gonna say this because I'm not gonna get it right, but I rarely tell Rachel she's funny. And here about four days ago, she cracked a joke that I just honestly just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And it was very, it was still aimed at me in an insulting way. But she said, um, there's such a charge between us, like a battery. She just said, just like that. And I was like, cool. And she's like, yeah, but I'm the positive and you're the negative. And it's like the most optimistic person in the world and someone who doesn't, like I, I would like to think I'm the funny one in the relationship. I think she come up with it on the spot. And if you got to know it, I just kind of just laughed out loud and which she was very chuffed about. So I won't hear the end of that for a while. But that's the last time I laughed out loud other than this interview. <laughs> that's good. All right. To, to wrap up with where we started, the featured fundamental again is embracing awkward moments. We talked a lot about the pandemic prior to coming on here and uh, your, your foray into public speaking, re-entry, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. 
What's been the most awkward moment for you in the midst of this pandemic trying to get upstarted again in speaking? For me, I moved to the US and dedicated absolutely everything I had to being a keynote speaker, building a brand and a company and a tribe and sharing the message of, of Turbulence Tough. And we are really in the early days here. But when I moved here, I, I obtained a visa. It took me 10 months and about $10,000 to get a visa. And that visa says that I can speak and only speak. So I can't go and work at Walmart. I can't go and work at Baskin and Robbins. I can't do any of that. I can only earn an income through speaking. And I remember going to the NSA or the National Speakers Association conference in March, just before the pandemic hit. And one of the speakers who was a very successful, uh, you know, long career kind of, you know, guy, uh, someone that we look up to and would, would love to obviously, you know, be like one day. He sat up there and said, if I can only give you one piece of advice, he said, don't burn your boats. And he was talking about when you start a speaking business, don't burn your boats. Here I was sitting in the crowd. I didn't burn my boats. I'd exploded them <laughs> on the eastern side of the Pacific. I had zero other options. A whole life here. I shipped the airplane with me you know, via China to Oregon. So I have dug the cub here in Tennessee with me, the airplane that got me back in the air after my accident. I've built a life here and I'm trying to build a, a speaking business in a pandemic. Thankfully, We've had great success and we're speaking virtually to all sorts of large corporate America companies and we can't wait to do more. But, you know, that I think was a moment where I sat back and thought, ah, what have I got myself into? Mm. Well, listen, brother, you, uh, you are on the right track. I have the utmost confidence that you're going to be an amazing speaker uh, and a fantastic out-of-work pilot. I uh, greatly <laughs> admire your story and your vulnerability and your willingness to share. You're definitely going to be another guest uh, in the future, ryancampbell.co uh, to learn it. more about Ryan. And from the bottom of my heart, brother, I want to say thank you for being on the Fundamism Podcast. You're an absolute champion. Thanks for having me. You bet, brother. To the Fundamism Podcast listener, again, so many takeaways in this episode. The featured fundamental, fundamental embrace awkward moments. Life doesn't always work out as you plan it, right? And so when you're uncomfortable and in times of discomfort, embrace it. Embrace those moments because you're going to grow and you're going to make it better as a result. You're going to provide yourself perspective that wasn't offered before. And you're going to improve the opportunity or likelihood of adding joy, fun, and fulfillment to your life. We encourage you to go out and have fun today and create a little fun in the lives of others. Until we see you on the flip side, be safe, smile often, have fun, and deuces. Deuces. 